Yes, God, we are so, so thankful for the cross. I just want to recognise it right now, God. Where would we be without the cross? Uh, just the most amazing reality that we can just fall upon your grace, your forgiveness, the power that is in the cross, that we know a God who has come to save and to rescue us through the cross. We thank You. Lord, as, as Twig said, we can't put words on it, God. You are too glorious. You are too amazing. You are too loving, too gracious for us to even comprehend. And so, Lord, we just wanna say we love You. We, we wanna worship You. You are worthy, God, of all glory. Oh, Lord, it gives our hearts great joy to lift You up. We're so thankful for You. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It's great to be with you this morning. Um, I actually haven't been over here for a while. I'm generally over in the family service that's going concurrently where the families are worshipping with their children. You might not know what goes on over there. It's different to this service, but we have a little bit of a sermon for the adults. Kids talk for the kids. We as adults do the kids' worship songs. They do ours. It's, it's really awesome to worship as a family, but it's meant that I haven't been here and it's so good to see so many familiar faces I haven't seen for a while. And it's great to be gathered as God's people this morning to worship and to hear from God's Word. And just a little addition to what um, Twig said there, whether you are online or here, I, I wanna welcome you, but also invite you to that missions conference that's coming up in a few weeks' time. There's some great speakers, as Twig mentioned there, but also if you are in the healthcare area or work medically at all, there's a medical showcase where you can see how you can use those gifts in mission. Also, if you speak English, happy there's a few here that speak English, and you love people, well, there's a teaching English as mission, how you can use that to reach and love people as well. So you might be interested in that. Those are on Tuesday nights and, or Thursday night and a Tuesday night. So check out all the details on the website. Again, whether you're here or you can join us online, one of the beauties of the COVID season. Also a message of greeting from Nathan. He texted me last night. They're way up, they arrived at the tip of the Cape uh, yesterday. Did a pastoral visit there. The mother of Melita who lives here, uh, sorry, lives here and, and worships here who was baptised recently, they visited um, her mum right up in the Cape there and said they prayed with her. It was a beautiful time praying for revival for our nation. But he's only 2,600 kilometres away up there, 36 hours of driving. It's a fair-sized country we live in, isn't it? Like, that's just heading north. You could go the same distance south, and that's not even thinking about going west. Uh, I wonder if, if ever, like in Nathan and his family, as they're on this trip, they'll ever have one of those moments where they see creation and their breath is taken away. Have you had one of those moments? My wife and I in 2012, before we had our twins, took the opportunity to go to Europe and we saw the Swiss Alps. We drove into Switzerland at night into this, this place called Interlaken, a little visit, village there, arrived at night. But I woke up the next morning, went down to have breakfast and got my breakfast and sat on this sort of little outdoor deck and then just had it. And then all of a sudden I looked up and out and I saw like the Swiss Alps. I mean, I was gobsmacked. I just looked there, this massive, massive mountains with snow capped and I just could not stop raving. I said, Nat, this is incredible. I mean, what is it? It's not like, it's just a big rock, but there's something awe 
I was awestruck. I don't know if you've been like that before, where you're just awestruck by something in creation. Or have you ever looked into the stars and started to comprehend how big the galaxies and the universe that we live in is? Have you ever done that? I'm gonna try and help us understand how big the galaxies are. Uh, We live in the Milky Way galaxy, and the Milky Way galaxy is a little bit shaped like a pancake, you can see here. It's got a little bit of a a center there, which is for our, um, has become a golf ball for us as we look at this, in the middle of this pancake. That is the Milky Way galaxy that we exist within. Now, if I was to say to you, or you were to ask me, where is um, our solar system in the middle of that galaxy? I would say to you, you can't even see it. It is too small for your eyes to see within this pancake, the solar system. And that's that's solar system, that's not Queensland, that's not Australia, that's not the world. That is the sun, the moon, the planets we learn in primary school, you would not be able to see it. It is that big. Uh, Because it's so big, we use the measure of light years to measure distance. What that means is, look at the speed of light. The speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. You know, 186,000 miles, just like that. That's how fast uh, light is traveling. And you do that for a full year, you have a light year. It'd be like if Nathan went down to Toyota and said, could you just G up my car a little bit? I wanna go a bit faster to get up north. I wanna go 186,000 miles per second, please. And then if he did that for a year, he traveled at that speed for a year, that would be one light year's distance. Do you know how long Nathan would travel in his pimped up, Toyota to go from one side to this side of our galaxy. 100,000 light years to reach from one side to the other. It is ridiculous, it's too big for us to comprehend how big our galaxy is. And then we are told there are 350 billion galaxies like the Milky Way galaxy in the universe. And the Bible says that God just threw that out like a tent, or he measures the distance of the the heavens with the breadth of his hand. Have you ever seen creation, whether it be the Swiss Alps, the galaxies, and said, who is behind it? Who is it that's behind this creation? You know, Moses had a moment like that. Like Moses had seen God in the burning bush. He had seen God do amazing, miraculous things in the rescue out of Egypt. He had seen the parting of the Red Sea and there comes this moment at Mount Sinai where God God calls him up the mountain and then Moses says to God, he says, God, show me your glory. What Moses was saying in that moment was, I've seen what you can do. I've seen the miracles. I've seen it all, but who are you? Who are you in all of your glory, in all of your fullness, and can I see it? And sometimes within our hearts, if we stop long enough, if we reflect and stop and look at creation, we we ask that same question, say, God, who are you? 
Can I know you in the fullness of your glory? And in this passage today, we're looking at the reality that we can know this God personally. We can know him in the fullness of his glory, nothing holding us back from knowing him. Because Paul in this passage, he's comparing the old covenant to the new covenant and there's opposition against what Paul is teaching and he is passionately protecting the fact that we can know God personally through Jesus Christ. And you can see in this passage, he compares the old, knowing God in the old covenant to the new covenant. So we're gonna continue in our series here in 2 Corinthians. I'll just read this passage. You can see this comparison happening. In verse seven, he writes, now if the ministry that brought death which was engraved in letters on stone, being the 10 commandments, the law, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory, of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if that was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? What Paul is saying is when Moses got the 10 commandments and the law, um, it was showing us something of God, like a flashlight. If this just went dark and I had a flashlight and we could see something, but he said that that we saw something of God, but there is now a new way, which is like a floodlight. Not, not a torch, it's floodlight. It far surpasses the glory of what has been to now what we have. And in that passage, he says in verse seven that the, the law brought death. In verse seven, it says, the law was transitory, it wasn't permanent, it was just for a time. And the law brought condemnation. Now, when we understand law here, he's talking about the 10 commandments or the whole Torah as the first five books of the Bible, 613 different laws. But don't just think all these rules and regulations. When we read that portion of the Bible, what we see is a story happening of God gave the 10 commandments to reveal to Israel who he was, his character, it was to, to show who he was. And then as Israel followed that, they were to show the world who God was and in his character. That was the purpose of the law. But what the Torah tells is this story of a perfect law where God says, be holy as I am holy, followed by people who could never do it. People who consistently fail. Like you hear the story of do not worship other gods or idols. And then the next chapter you read, they're making golden calves and worshiping. So law sets this perfect standard. This is who God is. This is who I want you to be. But you have humanity that can never keep it. And that is the problem with the law. <laughs> that with human hearts that are broken, human hearts that are sinful, we can never keep God's perfect standard. And it just leads to, as it says here, condemnation and death. 
On Monday night at Shed, we, we had uh, former New South Wales Police Inspector Gary Raymond share some stories and he shared one of a man who ended up on the wrong side of the law. It was actually on Christmas Day and Gary Raymond for seven years had never been able to spend Christmas with his family because he was always on duty. And then this year he was able to spend time with his family at Christmas. So his wife was so excited, as you can imagine, she's like cooking up this big Christmas dinner, inviting friends and family over and they're preparing for their Christmas dinner. When the phone rang, the phone rang and they were calling Gary into the office and he said, well, you must be mistaken, I'm off duty, I'm not even on call. They said, no, we've asked the boss, you need to come in, there's been a homicide. You need to investigate it. And as he comes into the office, he meets this man, Kevin. Kevin and his wife that morning had had an argument over who they should spend Christmas with, his family or her family. It had obviously escalated and she was cooking uh, something with boiling water and she tipped that on him and he flew in a fit of rage and grabbed her around the neck and before the fit of rage had ended, uh, she had passed. He tried to revive her, but she died. And here Kevin found himself in prison. And Gary said he was actually what they call a clean skin. No speeding tickets, no parking tickets. But here he was, condemned, awaiting judgment. And there in this picture, we get a snapshot of the law. Would Kevin have agreed it's a good thing to love one another, to not murder, to not steal? Do we agree with the law? Say, yes, it is good. It is good to treat people that way. It is good to love. It is good to not murder. It is good to not steal. All of these things. We agree that the law is good. But within each one of us, in our heart, is the reality that we cannot keep it. As hard as we try, as determined as we might be, God's perfect standard is unattainable for us. So what we learn is the law just shows us our sinfulness. It shows us our sin, but it doesn't do anything for our heart to, in order to keep it. So we go on there and we realise there is a veil or a separation from God. If we leave, read in this passage, verse 12 to 18, it says, Therefore, since we have such hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit is, there is freedom. A number of times you can see there alludes to this veil. What, what, what's this veil all about? Well, it's speaking back into Exodus where Moses brought down the law. And we read that in Exodus 34, 29 to 30. It says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiating, radiant because he had spoken with the law. 
Interesting response from Aaron and the Israelites. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. When Moses finishes speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. So there's this veil that he is wearing and there's this sense that the Israelites were fearful of Moses or God because of his great holiness and glory. They were fearful of him. There's not a sense that they could see him because it was veiled. And as it says there, you know, even when the Old Testament, the Old Covenant is read, there's a veil over their mind and hearts. When I had the privilege in 2006 to go into the Sahara Desert with a friend of mine who was Bible translating for the Tuareg people. And the Tuareg people are very interesting people. They're Muslim, they're nomadic, um, and they are the, I think, the only Muslim people group where the men wear the veil and the women don't. And so I went into this village and I had to veil up and uh, went into this village and I met over that two-week period um, a number of Andrew's friends. I met Abdullah and I met many Muhammads over that week, but I never saw their face. They were always hidden behind a veil. This is saying with the old covenant, we cannot see the full glory of God. It's hidden from us. And not only that, we see that the Israelites were fearful of God's glory, of his holiness in that moment because of their own sin. And is this not the natural response to sinful men with a, before a holy God? You might remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, as soon as they did, they hid from God. Nat and I've seen this even in our parenting at home. I don't know if those parents out there have had these moments where you're out with your children and then all of a sudden you realise one of them is missing. You look around, maybe the open areas, the lounge room, the dining room, the kitchen, and they're not there. So you think, well, they must be maybe hiding somewhere. And so you go into the bedrooms and you look behind the door, maybe under the bed or under the doona, and we find, this happened a few times, we find one of our boys there maybe with some biscuits that he's told that he's not allowed to have. He is not eating his biscuits right in front of us. He is hiding. This is the natural response. He's too young to understand this, but the reality is with the sin in our lives, there is a tendency for us to move away from God to hide from God, to fear God. And that's what we're seeing here is this veil that is between God and people. It's even seen in the, the temple. The temple was designed with the holy of holies, God's presence there, and then there's this curtain that divides a holy God from people with a sinful heart. But the beauty of this, this story or this, this passage, and this is why Paul is so passionately protecting what he is teaching. He's saying there is hope in Jesus. Jesus has taken away the veil. 
But I want to say before we move to that hope, that if our relationship with God is about rules and regulations and doing the right or wrong thing, we will forever feel distant from God. We will forever feel like we are failing. We will forever feel guilty or condemned because we can never match that law. And if that's what our relationship is based on, doing the right things and not doing the wrong things, we will always feel like that. But Paul so passionately defends and said, that is not the way of Jesus. That is not the way of those who are following Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 3, 12, he says, therefore we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who put on a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of that was passing. If you read on, verse 14 says, in Christ, the veil is taken away. In verse 16, I love this, it says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, it is taken away. Whenever, that's a moment, that could be this moment, any moment, whenever anyone, means anyone, whenever anyone turns to Jesus, the veil is taken away. And then 17, it says it leads to freedom. The veil being removed. And you might remember when Jesus died, the, the, the Gospels will say when he committed his spirit, one of the first things mentioned is in the temple there, the curtain that was dividing a holy God from mankind split. God saying, you can now come directly into my presence because of Jesus. The veil, that curtain, that barrier has now been taken away. The writer of Hebrews writes it this way, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, and I'm sure he would say it to us now. If you are in Jesus, the veil has been taken away. So since we have confidence, we can now enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And then there's this, this encouragement. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. As Christians, we do not have to fear God. We do not have to let our sin take us away from God. No, the gospel is saying, be people who go to God. Go to God for forgiveness. Jesus will take it away. Jesus will wash it and we can go directly to the presence of God. We can see and experience His glory, His fullness. Earlier I told you the beginning of Kevin's story, Kevin who murdered his wife on Christmas Day, but I didn't tell you the final part of that story. Kevin... Um, Gary had to do some paperwork with him, some normal paperwork there in the office. And as they were doing that, there was a knock on the door, the private door of the police station. As he went, Gary went to see, it was his wife and she had three meals, tin foil covered, three Christmas meals. One for Gary, one for his partner, and one for Kevin who had just murdered his wife. Gary then took the meal to Kevin who was sitting in his cell. 
and said, mate, you've got a massive day ahead of you. You need to eat and rest, have this meal. And after a while, Gary looked over at Kevin eating this meal and he noticed tears streaming down his face into the meal. And Gary went to him and said, Kevin, Kevin, tell me what's happening, mate. He's like, this meal is not what I would expect from a prison or for a police station. Where's this meal come from? And Gary said, well, Kevin, this is from my wife. She's made it for us for Christmas. He says, Kevin looked at Gary and said, Gary, did you tell her what I'd done? He said, yeah, Kevin, she knew what you had done. Gary, are you saying your wife cooked me a meal or gave me a meal knowing that I had murdered my wife? He said, yes, Kevin. He says, what you don't know is my wife Michelle and I are Christians. We love Jesus and we love you. And in fact, when Jesus died on that cross, Kevin, he had you in mind to forgive you for exactly what you have done today. Kevin looked up at him and said, no, I'm going to hell. God could never forgive me for what I have done. And Gary said, no, God's desire is that no one would perish. He has forgiven you, Kevin, and you have to receive him. Let him become your Lord and Saviour and his blood washes and covers all of your sin, Kevin. And Kevin looked up at Gary and said, is that true? And Gary said, that's true. And in that moment, Kevin fell on his knees and began to cry and say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me, forgive me. And in that moment, a gracious, loving guy, God met Kevin, the murderer there in the prison and changed his heart. Gary said, He was there so long asking forgiveness, I had to say, hey, mate, you've got to receive it. You've got to receive it. It's it's done. You are forgiven. It's been taken away. And that man was changed in that moment. And you can see in that picture the difference between the law, which just condemns us and says, you're a sinner, you are broken, you are worthless. Like You can't match up to God's standard. That's where they will lead to condemnation and death. And you see in the gospel of Jesus, a God who comes, a God who comes and forgives and meets brokenness and takes away sin. And there, this is why Paul is calling us to be people who come to Jesus. Don't allow sin. Yes, we are broken. Yes, we sin. But where it should lead us is to drive us to Jesus, to drive us to forgiveness, to drive us towards his grace. And we see in the culmination of this passage in verse 18, 18, the way we can behold this glory and see that it changes us from the inside. Verse 18 says, and we all with unveiled faces, don't you love that? Unveiled faces, nothing stopping you, just looking at the glory of God who with unveiled faces behold, or some translations will say contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Comes from who? My hard work? 
No, the Lord in us, his spirit changing us. And as we gaze upon his glory, as we look to see how amazing he is, how big, how majestic, how gracious, how forgiving, all of that, as we fix our eyes on that, he changes us. The challenge for so many of us is in this world today is we are so aware of how imperfect we are. I'm not a great dad. I'm not a great mum. I'm not a great boss. I'm not a great Christian. We can look in and we can see how, how much we might fail. But here it's saying the way to transformation is not looking in there but looking up and beholding the glory of God of how great our God is how great he is in love. We look at him and we see he is the one who is pure. He is the one who is perfect. He is the one that is sufficient for me. He is my saviour. He is my righteousness. He is glorious. He is in control. And we behold his glory knowing that there is no veil that the amazing God that created the expanses of the universe, the beauty of creation is behind it all saying, I wanna know you. And we see in Moses, if we go back, Moses had that heart to say, God, show me your glory. Well, this passage is saying, here it is. In Jesus, you can go directly to God and you can know his glory. And I'm sure it's what God is saying, calling us to have the heart of Moses to say, God, who are you? I wanna see your glory. It is not about rules and regulation. I could tell you, read your Bible. I could tell you, pray. I could tell you, go to church. I could tell you to do all those things. And it wouldn't change your heart. But if I tell you there is a God who is more glorious, more loving, more gracious than you could ever imagine and he will meet with you and you can have direct access to him, you can hear his voice, then your reading your Bible becomes different. It's like, God, show me your glory, speak to me. Let me behold your glory as I look at your truth, as I worship here, as the Spirit speaks to me. It's like a relationship. Duty becomes a delight as we begin to worship God in this way. He wants to be known. He's not holding back from us. And he calls us to come to him in Jesus. Just come to Jesus. No matter what situation or circumstance, don't be like a, a child that would hide from God. All of that is taken away and we have freedom to come to Jesus. And you look at Jesus, how he spent his time with sinners. You know, whether it be the woman caught in adultery, he comes and extends grace. Zacchaeus, such a sinful scoundrel. He says, Jesus, I'm coming to, sorry, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to eat with you. He just comes and this is the heart of Jesus, just to welcome us, calls us to come and to receive grace and to see mercy. Just as we conclude, I just thought, well, I might just pray for us as a people, that we would be people that would wanna behold the glory of God, hearts to seek after it, and people that would continually come back to Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord, we even started 
today saying there's no words on your greatness. We, we can't describe how great you are, how majestic you are, how massive you are, how full of love and grace, how much you have done for us, that you would be a God that would come to rescue us and to save us, Lord Jesus. We just wanna say thank you again for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that we can fall upon that grace. There's not one in here, I don't think, Lord, that isn't aware of our sin and our weakness, the, the fact that we don't match up. But Lord Jesus, we don't need to be condemned. We, we fall upon You and Your grace. Lord, we ask You for forgiveness. We turn to You, Jesus. And even as I say that, you know, maybe there's some people here this morning for the very first time You've recognised that it's about just knowing God. It's about walking with God. It's not about religion. It's not about doing all of these things, but it's about a relationship. And, and that there's a God that wants to wipe the past, wipe the sin, cleanse it. And I love that word in there. Anyone at any time in turning to Jesus, the veil is taken away the punishment for our sin, the separation we experience from God is taken away in an instant. And if there's anyone here this morning that you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, here this morning, maybe you're even listening online, I just wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me because it's so cool. In an instant, as we turn to Jesus, the veil is taken away. And maybe you would pray this prayer with me, just, just in your heart, wherever you're sitting, standing, listening to me. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for walking away from you. Forgive me for the brokenness in my life. But Lord Jesus, I thank You that You have washed my sin. Thank You, Jesus, that You have taken it away. Thank You, Jesus, that You give me new life, You give a new start. Thank You, Jesus, for Your Holy Spirit that lives in us, that changes my heart. Lord, change me, change my heart that I might have a new life in You. And for others of us, you know, just imagine that heart of Moses to say, Lord, show me Your glory. And maybe where you're sitting, that's the cry of your heart. God is unfathomable. He's, he's bigger and greater. And your desire is to behold Him above anything and everything else in your life. And to say to God, show me your glory, show me your fullness. And to have that hunger like Moses. Maybe you join me in this prayer. Maybe I'll give you actually some moments just to pray your heart right now, just to speak to God, just quietly, just the cry of your heart.
But Lord Jesus, I include myself in this prayer. How easy it is to behold other things in this life. Here we are as people sitting on the greatest treasure that could ever be. And yet so often I can be fickle, Lord. Lord, I wanna pray for us as a church, as a people, Lord God, that we would behold Your glory. That Lord, we would hold You um, in the highest place that our eyes would be fixed on how great You are. Lord, help us to not look inward. Help us to not dwell on our weakness, but help us to be rock solid, um, anchored into who You are and what You say about us. That Lord, we would not only behold Your glory, but then this miracle occurs that through Your Spirit, You would make us more like Jesus. That people of this community and this world would see more of Jesus through us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. In a moment, we've got a chance to worship that God, the God that is above all else. And you'll hear in these lyrics about the, the name of Jesus, the way that He's opened a way that it's been torn, that we can worship Him. And in church, as we stand and worship, don't hold back. One of the beauties of being as a Christian is we fall upon Jesus, we worship Jesus. It's all about Him. And now this is a chance for us to just tell Him that, to worship Him in that way. So stand with me, church, as we continue in worship and lift Him up here. Behold Him this morning. From start to finish, we've just been honouring You and recognising uh, the goodness of You, great God. We prayed it before and we thank You again just for making a way for humanity as uh, we've just heard from Your Word, great God, making a way for humanity to have a relationship with You. Just conscious that maybe in this very moment that some responded for the very first time, maybe online, maybe some have recommitted, surrendered their lives afresh to You, great God. And I just thank You, Lord, that You're the greatest Father anyone could ever follow, that, that to surrender our lives is the, the, the greatest thing we could ever do to give it over to You. You can do a far better job of our lives than we could ever do, great God. So we thank You for that. Well, we love You, Lord. Uh, use us this week, wherever we're going, whatever we're doing, may You use our lives for Your Kingdom purposes, great God. May Your light and love shine through our lives to those around us, we pray. So we worship You and honour You in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen, amen. Hey, thank you again. It's so good to have you here and online as well. Great to have you here with us. And I do mean that whatever you're doing this week, may God just use you this week wherever you are. And uh, God bless you so much. We'd love to see you uh, next Sunday. Thanks heaps. Well, thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you, we'd love to help you on the journey of faith. You can reach out to us by emailing hello at bridgman.org.au or if you have a prayer need, don't forget to email us at prayer at bridgman.org.au and we'd love to pray for you. Thanks so much for sharing with us today and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.